0: Hey friends, in case you missed it, last week I announced a new workshop series from February to November. You are welcome to join one workshop or all the workshops. You are welcome to join them one at a time as you see fit or as fits in your schedule. I do have them priced at a sliding scale Um, for lots of reasons. So you're welcome to take advantage of that. And I also have a group discount for anyone who wants to purchase all 10 and just go for it and commit to meeting with me and whoever shows up to these amazing workshops um, for the entirety of the year. So there's my long, short introduction before this week's podcast. I'll probably leave this in for a couple more podcasts until we get rolling. I'll also put a link um, in the show notes for a little while so that you can access those. But I'm really easy to find and really easy to private message. So if you're having any trouble, send me a message and we'll make sure you get what you need spread the word. Thank you for being here. And I love you all so much. All right. Another podcast week. Really important topic this week. I'm super excited to welcome Sherry Price as a guest. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Amanda.
0: Um, I have never stepped into territory of overdrinking. But what I love about the work that you do is that you talk about stopping over drinking versus stopping drinking completely and I think that's really attractive to a lot of people especially my audience um who I think abortion can be for some people a traumatic or like some kind of like event is right it can be very emotional and people want to drink it away make the feelings go away ignore it all so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I think that always comes out better. So I'll let you introduce yourself and your work. But um, I think it's really important that we talk about what are those, like, what is happening in your brain when you're over drinking versus just drinking? Because I think pushing away the feelings with alcohol is really, really easy. So I have lots of listeners who are doing that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Amanda, I have to say this is, amazing that I could talk about my journey and what brought me here, Mm. breaking down without tears, without tremendous shame. And I imagine, I imagine that's what, you know, some, your audience is experiencing, right? When we think we should be having this type of life, um, and things shouldn't affect us like they do. And so of course, alcohol is such a convenient, easy, socially acceptable way Of numbing, of tuning out, of not dealing with what actually is going on. Oh my gosh. And I just wanna say, you know, I just had to learn to find grace in that and know that it can be helped or solved or Mm -hmm. the healing can occur. So, um, uh, just to give you a little bit of history of myself, I was trained as a pharmacist, practiced Mm -hmm. in critical care, the pharmaceutical industry, did all the things, started my own company wildly successful beyond my dreams. Mm. I have a wonderful marriage. I have a daughter like from the outside and on paper, everything looks beautiful and perfect. Mm. And like the definition of, you know, the American dream and success and whatever. Um, but you know, the stress was starting to overcome me with my business and then becoming a mom. And I also felt society has this way of talking to us moms that wine will help. Um, wine it sure it does it? at the end of the day, right? <laughs> and I didn't think anything of it while I was doing it and doing it on play dates, but then there came that point where I noticed it was all the time, it was mm. trick or treating. And I have the tumbler, and it's looking at Christmas lights, and I have hot cocoa that's spiked. You know, it's like I don't know, it's just the way I started to bond with a lot of women in my life. Mm. Um, and it was so nice to kind of escape the stress. And Mm -hmm. I have a daughter with behavioral issues and spectrum things. And, you know, there comes all of that emotion, what to do. Am I the right mom? Like just second guessing. So I fell into this over drinking habit and I love to term it that way because for me, I
0: Mm -hmm. didn't
1: feel any of the labels resonated. It didn't feel like an alcoholic or severe substance or alcohol use disorder it didn't, um, overcome my life. My life wasn't unmanageable still I was highly functioning, highly successful doing all the things, but then coming home at night, not feeling good about myself because I turned to that bottle of wine mm. to make me feel good and de-stress. And I knew doing that over and over, like I did it for mm-hmm. years every night. Yeah. Like this is not how I want to live the rest of my life. Yeah. So yeah,
0: I was Why like, not? like when you're in it, Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I've never been much of a drinker. I definitely drink, like at a social event or whatever. Um, but I've actually never like reached a point where i like, was turning to alcohol every night. That being said in the pandemic, (laughs) more than any other time in my life, I can see that feeling where I'm like, Oh my God, just get me a beer, get me a glass of wine. Right. For me, it's Mm -hmm. all the things, whatever. Um, but what, when you're in it, what is that thought? Like, what is that feeling when you're like, this isn't right? Like, I know that this isn't right. Like, do you remember what those thoughts were? You must, cause you work with people all the time who have totally.
1: them. Totally, <laughs> totally. It's like in the moment you don't care, but it's like feeling most of the day, like you don't want it, you don't need it. And you think you're strong enough right? And, and oh, I call it that 6am self versus your 6am yeah. It's like you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that again. I don't feel so good. I mean, maybe mm. you're not. Some people are hungover. Some people aren't hungover because they their tolerance, but they just feel like, why did I drink so much? You've got the mental fog. Um, it leads to weight gain, poor snacking choices or food choices once you get started. Um, and it just feels like You're not making the choice to have it almost like it's starting to control you. Like, you make the choice for the first drink, and that's all you really think you want to have. But then you get started, and it's almost like, oh, I finished the whole bottle. How did that happen? Yeah. So it's that internal knowing in the morning. Okay. Oh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. What drove me nuts is by 6 p.m., like that commitment to have a drink was totally gone. All I can think about is, how yes. can I, how can I get it? I'll, but I'll only stick to one glass, right? It's the same conversation day in and day out.
0: Wow. So it's just this like roller coaster of mental strength and weakness. I mean, I'm air yeah. quoting, but whatever that means. And I
1: think it's because you have, wow. to, don't, for me, I never had desire for it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't a morning drinker, even on weekends, right? I may start earlier, but I would never start at like eight, 10 AM. Right. Not unless it was like a you know celebration and mimosas or you know something <laughs> yeah. like that, but yeah. nothing, you know, routine. Um, but then it's like you program your mind and your body to expect it. So your desire just starts to kick in around the same time of day. Right. And so then you're feeling like you're just driven by desire and the thoughts of
0: mm. I want it. That's so interesting. So oftentimes it starts driven by like a a desire for numbing, right? Like it's, it starts with a want to numb for you. It was stress for my listener. It might be numb, the feeling of having just had an abortion or whatever, end of a relationship, all these things happen.
1: or Um, you're just disgusted with yourself, right? Yeah. Or disappointed. Like I'd be disappointed i couldn't help my daughter in some fashion or you know right so it's yeah so it's like starts
0: with this numbing but then it turns into when it turns into a habit it's like actually becomes this like habitual desire right
1: that's really interesting and that's where you feel like you're out of control Mm, and that's where it felt scary to me because yeah (laughs) most of us like to be in control of our actions. Yeah. Right. So that feeling of, I don't know why I keep doing this. I don't know how to break this habit. I don't know why this keeps happening to me. I mean, here I am in healthcare
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and
1: that was another level of shame because I'm like, I tell people not to drink when they take this medicine or I'm in healthcare. I should know better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about the shame thoughts because you nailed it, right? Like for you, those shame thoughts and overcoming them and all of that work is like probably relevant to this audience. Yes. Very relevant (laughs) to this audience. Right. So um, how do you work through that stuff instead of having a drink? How do you do that? Like, where do you even start?
1: Yeah. So There's so many different avenues you can do. I feel there's not one right approach for me. It was being willing to see Mm -hmm. that the shame was holding me back. And I know that there are so many avenues you could take to do that. Like for some people, it comes with sharing it with a loved one, um, Mm -hmm. sharing it, like I shared with, you know, my close circle. Um, but sometimes that may help, but in my case, it didn't because most of society thinks once you get to an overdrinking habit, uh, it's an all or nothing approach. Mm. And yes. that wasn't at all what I wanted for the rest of my life. I didn't want to avoid alcohol. I didn't want to right. like wear a label like, um, So I still felt stuck. I still felt like. That's so true. Because when you're in it and you're in that habit in
0: particular and you know you want to break it, you definitely think like, okay, well, I either just have to stop completely or I just stay and become an alcoholic or maintain this path, whatever. So true. All or nothing, which is like hmm, what I talk about with my audience all the time. Right or wrong. Good or bad. (laughs) Right. But. Yeah. And I think that's why I knew I loved your approach, which is stop over drinking. Um, But now it makes even more sense that it's like, you know, we are so programmed to be like, you either have to do it or not do it. And people are so I've noticed a lot of like, um, and it's not a bad thing at all. It's totally amazing. But I've noticed a lot of like, people wearing the badge of I'm sober, I don't drink. It it, like more and more in the last five years, 10 years, but really Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the last five. It's like this badge of honor. Like Mm -hmm. I don't drink, I stopped drinking. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing, but we're seeing it a lot more as like a social badge versus like I actually overcame, you know, alcoholism. So it's really interesting. And I, and I am very drawn to the approach of like, I learned to control my mind and my desire and honor my feelings and be able to have a drink when I wanted to.
1: So I think a lot of people don't think that's possible. I agree. And I have to tell you, one of the things that held me back a lot is what I did know about cutting back or cutting it off uh, I didn't even like any of the terms, like they felt heavy to me. And, you know, maybe this doesn't re- resonate with everybody, but like saying I'm in recovery, that just makes me feel I'm,
0: I don't know. I'm and I was broken now. in
1: the first place. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. flawed, And I have to yeah. tell everybody I was flawed and I have to, I, I don't know, or even saying alcohol-free and the word sober is sobering to me. It's like sad. <laughs> like, I just those words were were repelling to me Mm, to actually seek um, other sources because I didn't know other ways existed. So for me, I won't, I don't.
0: Right. If you're not attracted to the word sober, you're probably not going to follow the
1: steps to get you there. (laughs) And I don't claim to be alcohol free. And and that's great for people who want to be. And I know there's this new movement to be sober curious, right? So what is it like? Oh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Um, there's sober curious is the term. And I know certain bars are starting to open up and be more about, um, bitters and, you know, alcohol-free drinks. So there's this trend movement going yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't want to talk about any of the labels. I just wanted to be kind of labelless less mm-hmm. and just take care oh of gosh, it and leave yeah. it in my past. And I don't know, I imagine your listeners. Wow. Too. Yeah. that really applies too, because
0: like, I feel like I speak to this label audience, right? We're not like pro-life for sure. We're not pro-choice completely. Like neither narrative really serves us because <laughs> right. there's like this strong pro-choice narrative that like it's, you know, it's not a baby. It's just a clump of cells and you don't need to be sad. It should be all relief. And then we're all like, why am I sad? <laughs> What's
1: happening here? So that, and you piece, know, I shared my story with you. Like yes. I didn't have an abortion, but I'm Christian. Yep. And if I would have become pregnant in a certain period of my life, I was pro-choice I wanted I know I would end it and so that really conflicted with my religious beliefs and how do I make peace with that and how do I still feel like I'm honoring God and yeah it's it's so difficult to manage through all that what an
0: amazing goal to live a label-less life (laughs) (laughs) it would certainly make our minds a lot more Oh, really fascinating idea. I love that. I love that you, that you use that language around like the labels didn't resonate. Like they just didn't make sense.
1: Yeah. I used to be so into labels because that's how healthcare
0: programs us, right? We
1: have to get a diagnosis. So I just would think labels are helpful. Because, oh, if I know you have diabetes, then I know I use these medicines and I talk to you Mm. in this format and we talk about these things, right? So to put labels on people, I think particularly in my training and my upbringing, like that was helpful, but raising a daughter with Tourette syndrome and other issues, like I see how those are damaging to her growth, right? And so then I'm like reflecting on my own growth and seeing how calling me an alcoholic or, um, you know, whatever other label was damaging to me, getting relief and help and support. Yeah. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually sometimes labels help. Sometimes they hurt. And if they hurt, get rid of them. Right. Well, isn't that the goal, right? Is to just
0: know what feels good for you Right. and know how to follow that next step. Exactly. What's the next step that feels good to me, not to anyone else's story, to anyone else's label um so how do we do that when we have this um like chemical addiction right like we're we're trying to learn who we are and we're trying to process our our abortion or our story or our relationship or our like whatever the things were trauma and we have this like actual chemical shift happening when we hit like open the bottle Mm -hmm. but we want to know ourselves better we want to do the work we want to dive in we want to follow our inner guidance like
1: Mm
0: -hmm. we're in that's the part to me where it's like all or none makes so much more sense like it almost is like okay well I get how I would just stop drinking it would feel terrible but I get it's very clear (laughs) yeah how do you do that when it's not like so clear how do you follow that
1: so I first want to start off by saying, I think drinking like any condition, I don't even want to call it a disease. Cause there's question on that, but like any condition, there's a spectrum to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do feel strongly that once you get to the end of that spectrum and, you know, we used to say alcoholic, but now they don't use that term. They say severe alcohol use disorder. I do feel really, really. Yes. Didn't
0: know all yes, these things either
1: <laughs> derogatory or <laughs> oh my goodness. Not taking to it. Well, okay. or Stigmatizing. Right. So, you know, DSM five criteria came out a few years ago and they changed the label. Um, but I do feel those people are going to have really hard time just cutting back for yeah. them. It, it is just better to stop.
0: Yep. And then maybe reintroduce once you've
1: broken the habit I, and the, or not, I don't even know for okay. those And, but that's, you know, when your life becomes unmanageable, you're using additional funds, you're stopped going to work. Like it becomes really, yeah. Okay. uh, You need it. Yep. Totally.
0: Well, I just got off a consult call with a client and I said to her, like, part of this process is like, are you coming to me and you can't get out of bed and you're not going to work and you like want to hurt yourself? Or are you coming to me? Like this thing happened and I feel really it feels really complicated and complex, and I want to know how to move forward. So it's kind of like that. Like, where are we at on the spectrum? Exactly. So,
1: okay. you know, yeah. I will certainly not work with those people that feel they need alcohol to function. Yeah. Um, but I think for the rest of the most people <laughs> of that, right? Um, yeah. Where you're at on that condition, um, you can get help, you can find a way. And I like to think of it as how do I want to be with alcohol in my life? How do I want to allow it and not allow it? When Mm -hmm. do I want to allow it and not allow it in a way that serves me? So for me, I never want to drink where I have hangovers anymore, right? That just doesn't feel like it makes me be the best version of Mm me. Um, And, and not, and watching how we speak to ourselves, like, you know, some of my clients will say, oh, I only get one tonight. And I'm like, wait a second, this is not a substance that's needed at all. Why are you saying only like you get one tonight, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, like just switching that um, Mm. discussion in your head and how you speak to yourself and. Wow. What a subtle difference and so important. And I
0: only get one versus I get one. Yeah. My goodness.
1: It's so different. And it starts to change your desire, which is Crazy, because you don't think you have power over that, but you really do. Yeah. And once you start seeing you have power <clears throat> over that, that's when you get like, wow, this this is so doable. And I wish I knew these skills prior.
0: Right. And there's so much scarcity, and I only get one. And like, you yeah. probably don't even enjoy it. You probably don't even enjoy it when you're just like, all right, how am I going to keep myself from having another? Like, <laughs> exactly, because your brain's already on. <clears throat> Yeah. Not
1: that drink, but the second one I don't get to have. That's what you're yes. focused on.
0: Right. Versus just really enjoying that one that you get to have. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh,
1: language is so important. For the brain, it is. So you know. important. He's heard language is the way the brain understands things, and feelings are the way the body understands things.
0: Mm. Yes. I love that. So you said, how do I want to be with alcohol in my life? And then I was thinking, well, there's probably some people who come to you and they're like, okay, I just want to cut back. And then they realize, actually, I do want to cut it out completely. Mm -hmm. Or like, so it's really just a journey of figuring out what's best and to keep asking all the time.
1: Totally. Because your brain can't imagine when you're drinking all the time, like I was, I couldn't imagine not having the desire for it. Like it just sounded like folklore. It's like, <laughs> right. I wasn't born that way. Right. Like, right. <laughs> right. And I would blame it on, you know, the genetics and my family and all the alcoholics, right? Like, I'd be like, oh, I can't get there. It can't happen for me. Like, that's just not possible. But once your brain starts to see how alcohol really affects you, when you really tune into it, when you really understand why you're doing it, like all that deep work, it's amazing because there are some weeks I don't want it at all. And I don't drink mm. at all. And I would have never guessed I could get have gotten there. Never. To a point where you actually didn't want it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: That's amazing. That's an amazing thing to get to. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so let's talk about some like tangible tools for someone who's listening. And because of their abortion, they have started turning to the drink. What what's mm-hmm. like a step one? Now, of course, every listener is gonna be in a different path and working with you is a very good <laughs> option or me. But right. let's just say they're listening and they're like, okay, I just wanna try one or two things. Yeah. The question's really good. Like, how do I that, that question alone, how do I want to be with alcohol in my life? Super important. Yeah. yeah. Well, but
1: what else you, can they do? I think before you get there, like just really fully love yourself for, mm-hmm. and understand why you're doing it in the first place. That's you know? so good. Yes. Like I'm in pain mm-hmm. or I'm super sad, or I didn't expect to have to make this choice. Yes. Or I'm struggling with this decision yes. or, um, I just really want us not to beat ourselves up because we'll, then turn to food. It won't be alcohol. It'll be something else, right? Like, right. We'll turn to something else. So self-compassion is where I like to start with all my clients and awareness of just Mm -hmm. being open to it's okay. You're mad. I was mad for a long time that I had a daughter with Tourette. I was mad because I didn't understand it. I didn't know if I can be the right mom. Why was I picked? I mean, I wasn't mad at her. I was just mad that yeah. Like at reality. Yeah. Right. So Once I started to ease into, well, I can't change that. So how can I make this and deal with it in a way that it brings me a little bit of peace more each day, more acceptance, and then we can start working with a lot of the tools that you work with, with your clients.
0: Yeah, and that's so, I mean, how we do one thing is how we do everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is really interesting, right? Because a lot of clients come to me having wished they made a different choice. This is, you know, it's not all, many feel more like I did, which is kind of like, I know I made the right choice, but I feel crappy about it. Mm -hmm. But many come and they're like, I'm pretty sure I made the wrong choice. I shouldn't have done that. Mm. And so we do the same work. It's like, let's, let's go back and understand why you made that choice in the first place. Mm -hmm. So easy to forget once you're past it, why you got there, right? Like why you decided to start picking up the bottle why you decided to follow through the, with the abortion. Um, but we, it can really serve us so much to just go back and be like, get curious about why did I do that? Let me remember how I was serving like my highest good at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. So. And I honestly thought, Amanda, I was doing the best I could with what I knew at that time. And I didn't know there were other options. I thought, okay, once I couldn't control it and here I am drinking for eight years plus every night, like I just knew I was doing the best I could with the resources I knew at that time. But then when my mind started hearing podcasts and learning about people who have cut back, you know, and just knowing that that could be an option. um, Like you said, that curiosity, like, okay, I know I'm feeling stuck, but Let me just open my mind to maybe what is potentially possible.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like, it might not be possible, but if it were, (laughs) what might it look like?
1: And at least it gets you moving in terms of not feeling like you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Even one conversation with you, one conversation with me, right? Like, I'm sure you get emails all the time too. It's like that one conversation, even though we're not working together has helped me tremendously. Yes. Yes.
0: And isn't that, like almost more amazing in some ways. I mean, we love our clients like beyond, right. But like, sometimes it's even more amazing to realize like, wow, we didn't even have to work together and look at that. Like, all oh, I had do to do that? was offer this other idea and they were like, whoa, I'll take that idea and run with it. Yeah.
1: Just yeah. like you do on the podcast, right? You get your listeners writing in saying, oh my gosh, this has helped me so much.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Curiosity is one of my absolute favorite things. It's like can serve us so,
1: so much. Yeah. Just trying to get to that place where, you know, you can leave some of the negative emotions aside, like let them be there, but then also shift to like, okay, if I could truly think about this as something that has happened and I want to work through, right. Going to that neutral place or that place of curiosity, just again, like you're saying, it helps get you unstuck, get you on that path to just moving a little bit. And it's just baby steps.
0: Yeah. Um, You You said something about self love, right? Um, When I said like, what are some tools? And you said, just like, just love yourself, which actually it's funny because I'm recording a podcast after you about loving yourself. (laughs) 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 Um, But When you're in it, like when you were turning to the bottle to reduce the stress um, or just even out of habit at that point, like it's pretty hard to love yourself. Like how, how did you do that? How did you, is it the same? It's just like, well, it's possible I could love myself even though I had an abortion, even though I have an over-drinking habit. Like, Mm -hmm. is it similar? Is it just like it's possible that I could explore what it might look like to love myself or give other tools.
1: Yeah, I like that one a lot. Another one I like to work with, with my clients is why do you want to be different? Mm-hmm. You know, um, just looking at why. Because mm-hmm. I think if we start connecting with the person we want to be, um, so, you know, future self kind of work or, Um, The best version of myself, what would she choose um, Mm. and why Mm -hmm. I think also helps you get those juices flowing again and takes you out of where you're at to where the possibility lies.
0: Yeah. I think that future stuff, future self stuff is so powerful. Like I actually have a spot in my planner that says like, write a note to yourself like today (laughs) from your future self. And she is so much more loving and accepting and supportive than my present self can be <laughs> sometimes. Yes, yes. So I love that you brought that tip and that tool up. Um,
1: and here's the crazy that thing that can actually, really serve true. us. It's really, true. yes. I used to be, you know what? I thought I was angry. I want to do a podcast on this too, and for my people, but I used to think I was drinking out of anger because um, I didn't understand some of the things happening in my life. Right. But what I was drinking over was fear that I couldn't measure up as a mom or I -hmm. I couldn't handle what life was given to me. Like it it turned into this fear-based thing. And then like, when you allow yourself to dream ahead, Mm -hmm. like you get fear about anything, you go get fear about enrolling for college. Like, will I make it? Right. So I think, uncertainty and the unknown sometimes is very attractive. And then when you look back on your life and see the things that you were able to overcome. And now that I have overcome this, I have so much more, like you said, compassion, not just for myself, but for so many others who struggled. And I, I tell you, I wouldn't have that compassion before. Now I know how to speak to moms with, you know, kids that are special needs or just different, Um, i didn't have that capacity before because i i just wasn't exposed to it i wasn't aware of it so i just didn't know how to communicate yeah so every time we go through something difficult i think we just learn to be more compassionate you know with these conditions with these instances that happen in our life and i think that really makes us evolve as humans and makes us more loving towards ourselves and towards others
0: yeah and i think like one of the big things my audience faces, like, is the fear that they can't live with the decision they made. Like, Mm -hmm. I won't be able to live with this decision for the rest of my life. And so when you ask yourself to go ahead to your future self and accept some wisdom, (laughs) it's like, okay, well, if that person is speaking, then clearly I did live with it. Right. And they have this new perspective and they have this different, um, But I do think that's probably the number one reason my audience might turn to the bottle is I can't live with this
1: decision I made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is not true because they're living now. Yes. You know, like they (laughs) are living with it and it is hurtful, painful, sad. I get all that, but not processing that emotion, I'm sure you've covered this. It's It's just as hard. (laughs) It's actually almost harder. It's harder. Yeah, you're right. Because not only are you carrying around the emotion, now you're carrying around that emotion that's unprocessed. And now you're trying to escape it, which brings in more problems. Yes.
0: Yeah, I was literally just talking to somebody and she was saying like, I just don't want to live with this sadness anymore. I just want to move on and I was like well you are living with the sadness like you it's almost like in some ways it's like almost like the pandemic like you don't get a choice like if the sadness is there it needs to be paid attention to like it's just there so you you know you don't get to choose to not live with it anymore but you can listen to it you can ask it questions you can feel into it you can learn something from it And then you get back your power and your control. Um, But to just say, well, I don't want to live with it. So I'm just going to move on. Like, well, (laughs) it's there. It's not going anywhere unless you
1: pay attention to it. (laughs) And how would you show up for uh, your best friend who had to make the same decision? How would you show up for them? Would you be judgmental? Would you be this unkind? Right? Like we get so unkind to ourselves because, you know, we all want to measure up to this bar that we put out there. Um, and when we don't, of course, that is one part of the pain, but then if we see other people with a similar walk of life or similar decision or similar, um, circumstance, we have so much more compassion for them than we do for ourselves. Yeah. So I always like to remind myself, like, how would I treat somebody who wasn't me who had to make the same decision?
0: Yeah. I think
1: sometimes it's helpful to choose someone you know and love,
0: like a best friend or a sister or a child. And then sometimes it's helpful to just pick a, like, how would I treat a complete stranger who came up to me and told me this story? right? Because we know that sometimes we don't treat our children or our best friend or our sister all that well. (laughs) But generally, if a total stranger walks up to us and tells us her story and her pain, we handle that pretty well. We have some good advice. Like we, we know what to say. Um, So so I think it can go either way that it's helpful to check in. Like how would I? You're right. Because when you said it, I was thinking, I do that now with my, now that my kids are like my girls are teenagers. I'm like, well, what would I say to her if this was, if she was in this situation, Mm -hmm. super helpful. But then sometimes it's actually the stranger who you'd be more kind and compassionate with. (laughs) This is true. All this to say is just like, there are so many ways to look at this and so many ways to heal. And what I say over and over again is just, please keep looking. Please keep looking. Like if you haven't heard what you need yet, please keep listening. Please keep reading. Please keep looking. Cause it might just be some tiny little shift like that. Like, well, if it was my sister, I'd just yell at her and slap her in the face. And (laughs) they're like, well, what if it was a stranger? Oh, (laughs) maybe I would do that differently. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So all of this work, all of this self-discovery, all of this stepping into the best versions of ourselves. It's just a process.
1: Keep going. Yeah. And we only get one precious life and, you know, it's not to say we're going to be happy all the time, but I think we have a responsibility to ourselves and to humankind, right? To to learn on this journey, to evolve on this journey, not for it to be perfect. Cause I think if we want it to be perfect, we're always gonna be disappointed, but to realize, hey, things come up and I know I can handle it. It may take me some time. It may take me some resources. I may need to invest. I need to mm-hmm. you know, but all of it is learning and evolving and appreciating. I think you can eventually get to the point where you can appreciate all of it, the ups, the downs, the pain, because that is life. And if we don't learn to appreciate it, we're always going to be stuck.
0: I know know for me personally, I'm always like, okay, this is really hard and I haven't figured it out yet. Yes. Would I rather give up or die trying? And I would rather give up, like, keep learning one more thing, taking one more step, one more thing, one more step. Like right. if I never figure it out, I still would rather take
1: the journey than to exactly. just give up now. Yeah, exactly. Because you're learning something along the way, maybe right not in that particular. It's so
0: true. And like, now. maybe you go, maybe you work with Sherry and you're like, I'm going to figure out this drinking thing. And then you learn something else really. And you apply it to your marriage or your career. And you're like, well, I never figured out the drinking thing. <laughs> Not that you won't if you work with Sherry, but same thing with me. Like, well, I never figured out the abortion thing, but I certainly set better boundaries in my relationships. Or I certainly, like, you're always going to learn something valuable if you're looking.
1: Exactly. If you're if, yeah. you're, if you're digging. Especially in. if you're invested in it, right? You're spending the time and yeah. money and you really yeah. want it. What does that quote say when you're, Ready, the teacher appears or something yes. like that. Yeah. 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 And I was really ready. I was really ready to end that shame cycle. Yeah. I'm sure, well, yeah.
0: Thank you for being a teacher now. This is such such important work. And you're probably gonna have a lot more of it once, you know, after this pandemic. I'm sure a lot of people turn to alcohol to
1: function. That's what the news is saying and all the research. Oh. And, and it's hitting women harder than it is now. Yeah. And I really, right. The homeschooling and then having Mm -hmm. work and life, it's so different now. So I think it is hurting the women a lot more. So.
0: And like you said, um, you know, society tells us like, just have a drink. Like I'm, I'm thinking about, and I love Trader Joe's, like love, 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 (laughs) love, love, love Trader Joe's. But I'm thinking about that ad at the beginning of the school year that said like, Remote school survival. I don't even know what it said, but yeah, it was like school supplies here and it was school over, over the supplies here. Yes. yes. Yeah. And at first I saw it and I laughed. I was like, yeah, that's hilarious. And then I was like, oh wait, that's actually not so hilarious. <laughs>
1: that's a problem.
0: Yeah. Like, this is a problem.
1: Yeah, it's that subconscious yeah. programming we get mm-hmm. from the marketing, right? And, yeah. and, and yeah. so it's telling our brains that this is acceptable. This is right. okay. This is how people cope
0: drinking away the discomfort is normal. That's Mm -hmm, the right right. thing to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, for having this conversation. Um, And I I love that. I love that people will get to listen to this for a long time to come. They're going to need
1: it. Yes. Thank you so much, Amanda. This was a pleasure.
0: All right. Have a good afternoon and until the next podcast.